You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, I'll start off today by telling you something that's not going to happen on the show today. I had been very, very excited to have Jonah Carey as my guest for today. Uh, I had to reschedule Jonah. So uh, bad news, no Jonah Carey today. Great news, uh, he's going to be on the show on Thursday. Uh, So uh, be able to talk about the all-star game uh in retrospect with jonah and uh you know mostly to have him on to talk about uh some some things to look forward to in the second half so um be sure to tune in for that also uh be sure to tune in tomorrow uh because that's going to be my first uh tuesday show of uh of this season uh so we're going five days a week i know i've announced that before but in case you haven't caught that uh be on tomorrow and my special guest for tomorrow will be matt modica so uh that should be some uh, good discussion there uh a pitching oriented discussion which is pretty much what i do when matt comes on the show anyway for this show uh well we've got a lot to break down from sunday even though the sunday show uh the new two-hour expanded sunday show that runs after first pitch uh was able to break down some of the performances in real time but there's a lot to get to it was an action-packed day uh, but first, uh, let's uh, get to some of the news. And the really big news is that Mike Trout is going to be back for the Angels on Friday. So whether you got the three-game week, the 10-game week, doesn't matter. Get Mike Trout back in your lineup. Uh, he is going to come off of the DL and uh, play this weekend against the Tampa Bay Rays. Very, very exciting stuff. Um, also, uh, some uh, news to kind of uh, put uh, some players or one one player in particular on your radar a little further than maybe this coming week. Reese Hoskins, according to CSN Philadelphia, could be called up sometime in the next two or three weeks, maybe even sooner than that. Part of that probably depends on how quickly uh, or whether or not the Phillies are even able to trade Tommy Joseph, but he is on the trading block. Hoskins, uh, from his stats, certainly has nothing left to prove at Triple A. And Hoskins himself says, not surprisingly, he's ready for the major leagues. So um, that is uh, some great news uh, for those of you who've been holding on to him in keeper leagues, dynasty leagues. And if you're in a seasonal league, uh, it's time to start looking into picking up Reese Hoskins and stashing him for however long that may be. And it may not be long, like I said, maybe one or two or, or maybe at most three weeks. For Hoskins. Uh, in that same report, Scott Kingery, who only recently was promoted from double A AA to triple A, he is expected to stay at triple A Lehigh Valley for the rest of the season. So don't bother in the season league going after Scott Kingery. A lot more to get to, more news. Like I said, a lot of performances to break down. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back.
2016, Scott Engel predicted an impressive second season from Melvin Gordon. Jake Seeley recommended Jordan Howard. Bobby McMahon forecasted a JGI breakthrough. George Kurtz saw a big year coming from Matt Ryan. And Joe Galena picked Rashard Matthews as one of his top sleepers. These predictions turn fantasy owners into champions, and the same crew returns this year. With more savvy calls in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package at rotoexperts.com. Don't miss the calls that create winners. Register now and enter free radio at checkout for a special discount. Welcome back. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melvier, your host of this show. And uh, as I said before the break, we got a lot of uh, Sunday action to get to. Kind of just put a bow on the first half of the season. Um, but, uh, you know, we can also look forward a little bit to this all-star break. Uh, we already have had the Futures game uh, that was played yesterday. The U.S. won 7-6. to six. Brent Honeywell was the first pitcher ever to be named Futures Game MVP. We can uh, certainly do some looking forward, hoping we'll see Brent Honeywell join uh, maybe Reese Hoskins and some other uh, anticipated call-ups, although I have not seen any word. I mean, I talked about Reese Hoskins and there being a report that he could be up very soon after the break. Um, I have not, unfortunately, seen any such report about Honeywell that would argue similarly that he does not have a whole lot left to prove in the minor leagues. Uh, and a couple other standout performers from the Futures game, some names you're all familiar with, names you already know from, from fantasy, Lewis Brinson and Derek Fisher. They both doubled and stole a base for the U.S. team, so they have more in common than just getting called up and getting picked up in a lot of leagues and then summarily being sent back down again. Uh, I'm sure we'll see Brinson and Fisher uh, again soon enough. And I've actually seen some speculation about Brinson maybe getting traded with the Brewers possibly adding rather than subtracting at the deadline. Uh, Nothing really substantial, just some speculation. But regardless, I expect we'll see Brinson and Fisher uh, again this year and hopefully sooner than later. Uh, Getting to some injury news, not a whole lot of it, which is always a good thing, uh, but Jason Kipnis has been placed on the disabled list. He uh, strained his hamstring on Saturday, and uh, he could be out for three to four weeks, uh, that according to ESPN's Buster Only. And to take his spot on the Indians roster, uh, they have called up Giovanni Urshela, um, although I'm not sure how much Urshela is going to play. I mean, you had uh, when Kipnis was out, the beginning of the season, you had Jose Ramirez uh, sliding over to second base, and uh, we saw a lot of uh, Yandy Diaz. Uh, I'm not sure they're going to do the same thing with Giovanni Urshela. We just may see Eric Gonzalez just plugging right into second base like we did on on Sunday. Uh, Joe Ross, uh, who pitched on Sunday, uh, he has some triceps tenderness and is scheduled to get an MRI. That, according to Masson, I'm uh, not saying anything further there on Joe Ross, but um, if you're counting on using him after the break, I would definitely be looking at some alternatives there. So uh, as uh, I've been teasing it a bit already on the show, uh, a lot to get to from those Sunday games. So let's start with the Astros, who, uh, of course, just exploded uh, against the Blue Jays. So there are a lot of players we could talk about, but I'm going to focus on, well, really one in particular, but I'll also throw in Carlos Correa's name for good measure because I try not to leave out any player who hits two home runs in a game. In fact, I don't think I ever do. Uh, Correa went four for five in that game against the Blue Jays, uh, hit home runs number 19 and 20. He goes into the break with a 325 batting average. 
But believe it or not, he is not as great as a first half as he's had. He's not uh, leading all shortstops in roto value. That actually, that honor belongs to Trey Turner. And I have to admit that surprised me a bit because Elvis Andrews has been in that uh, leader position for most of the season. And, of course, Turner's been out. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure. Maybe Andrews uh, has seen some dip in his batting average, so maybe he fell behind Turner. And anyway, at any rate, that's uh, sort of a crazy thing that Trey Turner goes into the break as the most valuable Roto shortstop, but uh, Carlos Correa will uh, certainly, I think, catch him in time. Maybe Elvis Andrews will as well. Andrews, number two, right behind Turner. But the player from the, the Astros that I really want to focus on, and really just him having a good game on Sunday, gives me an excuse to talk about him because I haven't done it nearly enough in recent weeks, and that's Yuli Gurriel. Went two for five against the Blue Jays, hit his 11th home run and his 24th double. So that's quite a bit of power from somebody who didn't show much last year when he was first brought up and also didn't show really any more power in the first two months of this year as compared to what he showed uh, towards the end of, of 2016. So you know, I don't know about you, but I, you know, I really developed my opinion some, at some point probably in May, maybe even in April, you know, jumping the gun a bit. But you know, certainly by May, I had my mind made up about Yuli Gurriel, that this is a guy who, no question, was an outstanding and I think you could say even elite contact hitter. He was going to hit for average. He has uh, the benefit of hitting in a really good lineup. But both at first base and third base, the, the two places where he qualifies in fantasy, it just isn't quite enough to stack up against the competition. Well, in the last month plus, going back to the very beginning of June, this guy has absolutely raked. Um, first of all, before I, I break down what he's done since the beginning of June, overall, even with those first two kind of mild producing months included, on the whole year, Yuri Gurriel ranks 16th in roto value at third base. So, you know, right right away, I mean, that, that tells you he's there in the conversation to be started in a standard mixed roto league, which was something I was not thinking about on draft day, was not something I was thinking about in April. May, probably well into June, to be honest with you. But since the beginning of June, Gurriel's hit 347, and here's the shocker. He has a 282 ISO. 282. Uh, so he's been right up there uh, with you know anybody, uh, George Springer, uh, Correa, you know, anybody in that uh, Astros lineup who hits for power. He's, he's matched them. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's literally true because I know Springer has hit for a ton of power. He, his ISO could very well be much higher than that. But, you know, the point being, I mean, when you're you're verging on a 300 ISO, you're just absolutely mashing. And he has a 42% hard contact rate in June and July so far and a 342-foot average fly ball distance. I mean, that's those are all elite numbers right across the board. Um, and just for contrast, in April and May, Guriel was averaging 314 feet on fly balls. So almost an increase of, of 30 feet. I mean, that is fantastic. Um, of course, you know, I've said this before with other players. I mean, we've seen players just go bananas for a month or maybe a little longer. And, and that's all it's really been for Guriel, just a little over a month. Um, and then they regress. But the, the difference, of course, with Gurriel is that we didn't have a whole lot of a major league track record with him to begin with. 
So you can read this all kinds of different ways. But I think you know a legitimate way to read it is he just needed some time to adjust to the major league game, and you know even though he's not a young player, um, you know that he just he needed some time to to adjust. And now we're we're seeing Guriel uh, at his true ceiling. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm I'm willing to give that interpretation a little bit of a chance. Uh, you know, depending on. Uh, what my situation is uh, in you know in any given league. I mean, the thing is, at first base and third base, there's so many good options, especially at first base, that the chance that you're looking to upgrade isn't necessarily great. But if you're rolling with say a, an Eugenio Suarez, I would give Guriel a shot after the break. Absolutely, I would. So um, that's going to be a fun one to watch in the first few weeks of the second half to see if Guriel can sustain that uh, that very impressive level of power. Uh, also, with a very impressive level of power, but far less surprising, is John Carlos Stanton. He hit two home runs. We got several two homer hitters from Sunday, so I've got to name them all. Uh, Stanton going into the All Star break, going into tonight's home run derby. Can't believe I haven't even mentioned that yet. Uh, three for four, two homers. Uh, he's up to 26 now, so go, goes into the second half with 26 homers. Also walked twice in that game. Uh, brought up Stanton quite a number of times this season, uh, particularly lately, detailing how he's really a more complete hitter now than than he's ever been. And yet he's been a little overshadowed, but he's been hot enough lately. I, I think that's less and less true. I think we're all waking up to the fact that Stanton's having a, a tremendous season, and if he can just stay healthy and avoid one of those monster slumps that he seems to have every year. Um, this could be a really special year for him. Adam Jones on the two-homer list, numbers 14 and 15 against the Twins. Justin Turner slides into the break with double-digit homers. He hit numbers 9 and 10 against the Royals, and both off of Danny Duffy. And um, I think it's going to provide me with a nice little segue to sort of veer away from the hitters a little while and talk about Danny Duffy because he's got some interesting splits. He's got some interesting stats just for the year in general. And I've, I've not had a whole lot positive to say about Duffy in terms of somebody who's going to provide you value, somebody you should trade for. I'm starting to change my mind about that a little bit. Um, so I've got to head into break very shortly. I don't want to you know open up a whole can of worms there on Danny Duffy. Um, and not be able to, to close the discussion. So I'm going to save that for after the break, uh, but I still have several other players to get to, uh, including uh, several hitters. We haven't even uh, really touched on the pitching yet. We'll do that after the break. So um, stick around. A lot more analysis coming your way. fantasy nerds here's a question for you what do mozzarella sticks and the fantasy sports radio network have in common they're both awesome apps but seriously download the fantasy sports radio network app right now and get all your favorite shows and fantasy advice at the touch of a tiny icon on your screen snapchat and instagram aren't going to help you win a fantasy football title but the fantasy sports radio network app will so go get it now on google play and itunes 
Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Lots to get to in this segment as well. But first, you can now take the world's premier 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network with you wherever you go. Just download the Fantasy Sports Radio app in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and listen for free, yes, free, anytime, anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in your car, or Greg Sussman on the subway, or just relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seeley when you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. So um, I did leave out a, a, a two-home run player uh, prior to the break. So just to kind of uh, close that out, uh, I had mentioned Giancarlo Stanton, Adam Jones, Justin Turner, and we're going to get back to Justin Turner, at least indirectly, in a moment. But also Freddie Galvis. I think he must have looked at his stats and said, oh, I hit 20 last year. I got to get on pace. So he got back up to 10, two home runs against the Padres. For Freddie Galvis. Uh, so he's actually not that, you know, he blew the doors off of fantasy last year, but I think he surprised a lot of us with that 20 homer season. He's actually having a slightly better year overall this year than he did last year. Uh, kind of interesting. But of course, shortstop has gotten so deep that we don't talk about Freddie Galvis a whole lot uh, on this here show. Uh, but as I mentioned, Justin Turner also getting to his 10th home run. A little different story, of course, for Justin Turner because he missed some time. He's also hitting for a crazy batting average, so he's just got all kinds of value. Uh, but the two homers, homers, why did I put the accent on the second syllable of homers? I don't know. But uh, I want to talk about Danny Duffy because uh, Turner hit both homers off of Duffy in this game. Uh, first of all, Duffy's got some weird splits. I mean, not weird when you consider that for him. Home is Kauffman Stadium, but he has not given up a home run at Kauffman Stadium. And those of us who are well acquainted with Danny Duffy know he is decidedly a fly ball pitcher. So he's in a great park uh, to be a fly ball pitcher. But he's kind of taking it to extremes this year, not having given up a home run there, whereas he has already allowed seven home runs on the road. And that might not sound like a lot, but Duffy missed some time as well. So we're not talking about a huge number of innings here. Now, the homerless streak at home, that's 32 and two-thirds innings this season. That uh, has helped him to keep his ERA down at 276 at Kauffman Stadium. He's got a really teeny tiny ISO at, uh, at Kauffman, too. Uh, just uh, 70, 074. Uh, I think I did, I'm doing the math in my head here. Actually, no, I'm sorry, 076. Uh, but on the road, Duffy has a 444 ERA, and those seven home runs are spread out over just 48 and two-thirds innings. So even as much as home run power is up this season, that's a pretty high uh, home run ratio for Danny Duffy. And again, fly ball pitcher, nothing you know terribly shocking there. But... Um, I've been down on him because, first of all, there are those fly ball tendencies you have to deal with. Last year, Duffy, of course, had this breakout season, got a lot of strikeouts, um, more than, than one per inning, 9.4 per nine innings to be exact for Duffy. Uh, had a very high strand rate, uh, had a very high homer rate of 1.35 per nine, uh, and a lot, a lot of hard contact. So it sort of looked like Duffy 
even with all the strikeouts, if he could maintain that, it seemed like Duffy was sort of due to regress no matter what. But the strikeouts just haven't been there for Duffy this year. Only 7.4 per nine. Um, he's issued more walks. And uh, at least on the road, he's continued to give up the homers. So, you know, you add that all together. I mean, it's it's not rocket science. It's, you know, you realize that this is somebody who's going to, um, you know, who's probably going to struggle with the long ball. And especially the, the less often he's striking people out, the, you know, the more that that's going to happen. But... When you break down, well, why isn't Danny Duffy striking out more batters? The whiff rate is down only slightly. Um, and there's not big differences in terms of the rate of called strikes or foul balls. Well, those are the ways to get strikes. <laughs> and they're not that different from last year. So it really, to me, looks very fluky that Duffy has this decreased strikeout rate. And then meanwhile, you say, okay, but what about all the home runs? You know, or at least the potential for more home runs, and eventually he's going to give up some home runs to Kaufman. And if nothing else, while Kaufman Stadium is not a great home run park, it is a very good doubles and triples park. So it's not like um, you know he's he's totally out of the woods there as a fly ball pitcher in that park. But he's got one of the lowest average fly ball distances in the major leagues. And yeah, I know I. I go to that stat a lot. But, I mean, I think it's a really good one because, I mean, we can look at launch angle. We can look at exit velocity. I do like to look at those on occasion. But, you know, in terms of the results, you know, that that's a really good, you know, indication of the result. How hard is this ball being hit? How far is it being hit on average? And he's, you know, he's very low in those rankings of average fly ball distance. So the zero home runs at Kaufman may not be as fluky as it seems. And yeah, he is giving up a lot on the road, but maybe even that can improve. So I just think there's areas where, where it looks like Duffy, if he doesn't change anything, um, might actually improve substantially in the second half. So his, his perceived value might be down a bit, but um, you know, I think that that only provides an opportunity maybe to get Danny Duffy at a bit of, bit of a discount. So, Enough about Duffy. Let's get back to some of the hitters. Uh, I got through all the two homer guys, but there are still uh, plenty of standout performances worth some mention and a few even worth breaking down a bit. Uh, one of those belongs to Tommy Pham, who against the Mets went three for three and hit his 11th home run of the year. So that is good to see. And, and that was a, a home game for Tommy Pham and the Cardinals. And that's good to see because Pham has really skewed power splits, home versus road. And again, not hard to explain or to understand because Bush Stadium's not really a great park for home run hitters. Um, you know, for some players like Randall Gritchick, it doesn't really matter. It shouldn't you it should really matter for Fam because if if I'm gonna go back to that uh average fly ball distance stat, Tommy Pham's been very, very good at that. I mean he's he's been hitting balls a long, long way. So um for him, really my only concern is can he stay in the lineup? And it remains to be seen. Um Mike Matheny has really kind of rotated those outfielders in and out in the brief time that Dexter Fowler has been back in the lineup. Um, so I have concerns about Pham's playing time. I mean, he's he's certainly justifying it with what he's doing at the plate. So I'm a long, long way from uh, dropping him uh, in, in any kind of league. Uh, but sticking with the Cardinals, and this will be the second day in a row that uh, I mentioned this hitter, Paul DeYoung, because he just keeps hitting. Uh, he went two for four on Sunday with his ninth home run of the year. And so he just had a fantastic series against the Mets. Went nine for 12 overall 
with three home runs and four doubles. So before maybe we just chalk this up to it's a hot streak. He just uh, you know got in a groove against the Mets. He had, he had three homers in that series, but he still had six and relatively limited playing time before the Mets series. So as I talked about on yesterday's show, I don't really question the power for Paul DeYoung. He's, uh, I was on Gary and Thorne's show uh, earlier today, and I, I made uh, the analogy or the comp that it's sort of like getting Hunter Renfro with shortstop eligibility, except it does, doesn't look like that on the surface because DeYoung's heading for a much higher average. I think he is going to be a major batting average regressor because he does have that Hunter Renfro profile of hitting a lot of fly balls and pulling the ball a lot, which is good for those power numbers. He can he can keep hitting for power, but it also could mean that he makes a lot of outs, makes a lot of fly outs. So that, that, that's what I expect from DeYoung. And um, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, unless you needed help with home runs, I wouldn't be going too hard after him in a 10 or 12 mixed league, but in anything deeper, certainly that power and the run production that can come from it is worth owning in a similar vein. Uh, although, uh, you know, certainly this is no news here. Josh Harrison having a nice little power spike this year. He hit his 10th home run on Sunday against the Cubs. And of course that was that strange lopsided game pirates and the Cubs where John Lester didn't make it out of the first inning. Uh, but Harrison was one of the, the big producers there for the Pirates, going three for five with that home run and also walking. Um, so going into the break, he's a 10-10 player. He's got his 10 homers now. He's got exactly 10 stolen bases. So he's actually on kind of a similar pace, a little bit more power, but overall kind of a similar pace to what he did in 2014. That was the year when Harrison broke out, and he did surprise us all sort of the way that Paul, Paul DeYoung is surprising us this year, surprised us all with power that we didn't know that he had um, to go with the stolen bases and the good contact skills. So Harrison's, yeah, he's uh, the playing time's going to be there for him, and he's having a 2014 kind of season. Batting average is a little bit lower. He's a 280, but uh, no reason why he couldn't hit 300 rest of the season with the way he makes contact. Uh, got a couple of part-timers I want to just briefly put out there Sort of like in, in the sense where you know, a couple weeks ago I was talking a lot about Enrique Hernandez and how if he just got more playing time, this guy could be a great power producer. Same is true of Pat Valaika and Johan, well, not Johan Camarga uh, for power, um, more of a doubles hitter, but could be productive with steadier playing time. I don't know where it comes from for either one of them, but Valaika hit his seventh home run on Sunday. That is just in 114 plate appearances. And he, too, is a stack cast hero with a 345-foot average fly ball distance uh, and a lot of fly balls uh, that, that Flyka is hitting. So if Trevor Story were to go back on the DL or, or maybe he just falls out of favor or something, Flyka is a guy who could give you a whole lot of power. And Camarga, not, not so much home run power, but like I said, he's already got 11 doubles and 111 plate appearances, hitting 327. Um, not sure where he, his playing time will come from, but he's sort of a super utility guy right now. Anyway, enough on those two. We got lots of pictures to get to, so stick around. I'll be right back.
It's the summer, but you can already feel the howl of the winter wind. You don't want to go to the beach. You want to break out that heavy coat and head for the stadium parking lot because nothing makes you feel warmer than football season. But you don't have to wait for the calendar to flip a few times at rotoexperts.com where fantasy football season has already started. The award-winning team at Roto Experts has you ready for the new campaign with the return of the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package for 2017. Packed with tons of in-depth insights from the industry's top experts, we get you fully prepared for a championship campaign with a deluxe draft package that includes projections, strategy articles, sleepers, busts, a cheat sheet generator, and so much more. And you're guaranteed additional access throughout the regular season. So put your gloves on now, even while it's hot outside, and get into mid-season form. Go to rotoexperts.com and register for the 2017 Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Enter code FREE RADIO at checkout for a very special discount. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, as promised, got some pitching performances to break down. But uh, first, you need to know about the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package. It's your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a waiver wizard and learn to scan the numbers like a Roto scientist. They can help you set the ideal lineups every week and this season get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor, powered by InsideInjuries.com. So get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package right now and start soaring to the top of the standings. Enter the promo code FREERADIO at the checkout for a special discount. Um, one pitching performance that I don't really feel the need to break down, and I, this is sort of a caveat that I make on the show every five days, is Clayton Kershaw, because we just know how great he is. Uh, but still, I'll share the uh, the eye-popping numbers with you. Complete game, nine innings, 13 strikeouts, no walks, two runs, though, on six hits. But, uh, yeah, he is good. And, of course, that was uh, the same game where Duffy uh, gave up the cu- the couple of homers to Justin Turner, gave up three homers total. Uh, and if not for the homers, it was a nice game for, uh, for Duffy. But, uh, alas, uh, we cannot get those homers back from him. Uh, that is a part of the line. But Duffy struck out nine and didn't walk anybody. Uh, and aside from the three homers, only gave up three hits besides that. So, uh, like I said, you you, uh, you see the what he does in terms of average fly ball distance, and uh, he, he did get the strikeouts in that start. Um, I think there's there's better stuff coming ahead for uh, for Danny Duffy, but uh, I'm kind of bearing the lead here because the pitcher I probably should have started talking about is the one who made all the headlines yesterday, Kyle Freeland, who entered the ninth inning against the White Sox at Coors Field with a no-hitter. Just gave up one hit in eight and a third. Did not allow a run. Uh, got nine strikeouts and three walks. So just an excellent start by any kind of measure you want to use for Kyle Freeland. But this has to rate as one of the most bizarre, out-of-nowhere pitching performances of the first half. I mean, there's just, I, you know, I top of mind, I, I not sure, I'm not sure how you beat this one. Because... Freeland as a lefty and pitching at Coors Field and not somebody 
who gets a whole lot of strikeouts. He's actually been one of the most contact-prone starting pitchers in the major leagues. And his assignment is not only to make a start at Coors Field, but to face the team that has the highest WOBA, or at least entering yesterday's game, had the highest WOBA in the major leagues against left-handed pitching. So uh, I actually went out of my way in my weekly Sunday streamers column to say, you probably aren't thinking of starting Kyle Freeland in this situation. Anyway, everything's stacked against him, but don't start him. This, this is, you know, just don't. And the one caveat that I did make, which maybe in, in retrospect uh, was something I could have given a little more weight to is he actually doesn't allow that many extra base hits at home. I don't know what his ISO is at home now. It's obviously lower than it was before yesterday's start, but it was already low before that. And in general, Kyle Freeland has much better splits this year or in his career because he's a rookie uh, this year at um, at Coors Field than he does on the road. So just one more weird thing about Kyle Freeland that I am powerless to explain. I don't get it. Um, so I guess the only takeaway from the start for Freeland Two takeaways. One, it's baseball. Anything can happen. If you think something can't happen, it's almost guaranteed it will happen. (laughs) So uh, it's very unpredictable, of course. We know that, playing fantasy. But the more specific takeaway from Kyle Kyle Freeland's start is maybe to take those home splits a little bit seriously. Um, I don't have an explanation for them. It's not the world's biggest sample. So I don't think we should go overboard but maybe just not to dismiss them completely and say, hmm, but maybe this requires a little more research. Why is Kyle Freeland so good at Coors Field? Right now, I don't have an answer. So I'm going to move on to another pitcher, several pitchers with very good scoreless performances. I'm going to move on to the next one that also makes absolutely no sense to me, and that is J.C. Ramirez blanking the Rangers for six innings on Sunday. And if that seems improbable enough, and I'm not saying this to, to hack on, on J.C. Ramirez. I like him. I own him in several leagues. I also view him as a streamer, and I like to keep him on, on my bench because he's really good against righties. He's been really good at home. So that leaves him a lot of opportunities to, to have a good week, and especially if it's a two-start week with good matchups and good venues. That's, that's a, you know, a valuable pitcher to have around and not just have to hope that you could get him off of waivers. So I do have him stashed in several leagues. But this looked like a bad matchup for Ramirez uh, at Texas. Uh, a lineup that's pretty good against uh, righties. Ramirez uh, at times has been very flyball prone, very homer prone. The Rangers are one of the best teams in the majors at hitting for power uh, via the flyball. So it just seemed like a terrible, terrible matchup. So is um, as unpredictable as a good start would have been, as unlikely as a good start would have seemed to have been going into Sunday. If you look at the line, it's also very confusing. Ramirez went six innings, only got two strikeouts. And he's since his first handful of starts, first three, four starts, he's not gotten strikeouts at all. So only two strikeouts for Ramirez. So it's not like he's, you know, like Kyle Freeland suddenly got his, his strikeout mojo back. Um, he also walked five batters, which is really unusual for J.C. Ramirez. But he allowed only two hits. So um, Babip uh, apparently was was working in his favor. Um, it's just another one of these starts that you can't explain. For me, it doesn't change any sort of perception that I have about J.C. Ramirez. 
uh, and again, like Freeland, we don't have a huge, um, a huge uh, body of work to to go on in terms of Ramirez as a major league starter. We've got a little bit more for him as a reliever. But um, the pattern we have seen from Ramirez as a starter, like I say, very good at home and in other pitcher-friendly parks and pretty good against righties. So that leaves him a lot of room to use him going forward. Uh, but my starting him going forward has nothing to do with this performance against the Rangers. I just don't get it. Uh, so I'm going to now go to some pitchers whose performances make a little more sense to me. <laughs> you know, I only have so much uh, tolerance for, for ambiguity here. So Brad Peacock had a very Brad Peacock kind of start uh, against the Blue Jays. And, and you know, of course, he uh, got plenty of run support. No worries there for Brad Peacock. But he blanked the Jays for six innings, got six strikeouts. That's the Brad Peacock way. So is are the five walks. That's all even extreme for him. But, um, you know, that that's that's how he rolls. You You start Brad Peacock. He's not going to allow a lot of contact, but he is going to put some guys on via the base on balls. So he's not going to be as helpful in whip as you might think or hope he will be. Uh, only five hits allowed by Peacock in that start. So overall, very good start. Although, again, the, the 10 base runners uh, over six innings is not tremendous for your whip. But uh, I would certainly be happy to take that start. Felix Hernandez with his best start in quite a while against the uh, Oakland A's. He went six scoreless, just like Brad Peacock, just like J.C. Ramirez. He allowed only two hits, but three walks in six innings, so not quite as extreme as Peacock. But 59 strikes out of 100 pitches for Felix Hernandez. That's a tad bit alarming, given given that uh, since coming back from the DL, uh, he's not been too... stingy in, in handing out walks did get eight strikeouts in this game against the A's, but I'm going to file this one in a similar category with the JC Ramirez start that I, I need to see a bit more from Felix before I can really trust him as a must start guy. Uh, Cause you certainly look at the line, you know, first glance and say, wow, six scoreless innings with eight strikeouts. Maybe, maybe King Felix is, is back, you know, the real true King Felix, but it's, it's in terms of you know control and not really getting a lot of swinging strikes. It's kind of falling in line with his other recent starts. So I'd like to certainly see more starts of this nature from from Hernandez. And I'd like to see him throw more strikes too. But again, you know, with Brad Brad Peacock and certain other pitchers, uh, Mike Clevenger will be another one who comes to mind. I'll put up with the walks if the uh, if the strikeouts are steady and in in large quantities. Strikeouts were not coming in large quantities for Lance Lynn on Sunday, however. He only got two of them uh, against the Mets, but uh, he went seven scoreless. So you have to you know, say that that's, that's a good start. Maybe it doesn't necessarily pretend for great things going forward from Lance Lynn, but only three hits allowed, just one walk to go with the two strikeouts. Um, I'm not not so optimistic about Lance Lynn. In fact, I feel like I've been one of the lowest people uh, I know of in the industry on Lynn. I'm just not overwhelmed by the peripherals. And uh, I I think he gets helped a lot by pitching at uh, Bush stadium, but uh, he's, he's far from a start as far as I'm concerned. And and this start does not change that for me. Uh, Jared Eikhoff made his first start coming back from the uh, disabled list. And uh, overall, you got to say, this is a great start. Five scoreless innings. 
figure in future starts will go a little bit deeper in games, but five scoreless with eight strikeouts and five hits and one walk against the Padres. So um, also another pitcher I'd like to certainly see more from because the Padres, it's, it's hard to tell. You know, they've made a lot of pitchers look good who then they go face other teams. They don't look so good. But uh, Jared Eikhoff, he's got a you know bit of a uh, mixed bag in terms of his track record. So we need to see a little bit more from him before we can know whether or not we could trust Eikhoff uh, week in and week out, or even even really as a streamer where maybe we only use him every other week. Uh, I'm not sure we're seeing that from Jared Eikhoff just yet. More, yes, that's true. More pitch, pitching performances to come. So stick around. I'll be right back. More analysis coming your way. Quarterback to receiver hookups, running back depth analysis, rookie values in dynasty leagues, deep sleepers, training camp battles. These are just a few of the in-depth features you will find inside the 2017 RotoExperts.com Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. And it's power-packed with so much more, including fully sortable player projections and a custom cheat sheet generator. Plus, you get a full year of in-season coverage as a bonus. Get the Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package now at rotoexperts.com. Enter free radio at checkout for your special discount. Welcome back. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, as I said before the break... We've got a few more pitchers to talk about, but I spent the break looking over my notes and, and just fixing on the name Johan Camargo. I love that name because it's sort of like a cross between Cargo and Margo. I don't know. Anyway, I'm glad I gave myself an excuse to, uh, to talk about him on the show today. But let's get back to the pitchers. And one of the uh, matchups that I was really kind of watching very keenly on Sunday was uh, Jimmy Nelson facing uh, Masahiro Tanaka and the Yankees. And I really wanted to see if uh, Nelson would kind of pass the test of, of being a must-start guy. Because he has the numbers since the beginning of May of being a totally dominant must-start fantasy pitcher. You know, any, uh, no, it doesn't matter how shallow the format, any format, uh, any, any team. And uh, kind of a meh line from him. But, uh, you know, again, a Yankees team that even missing some key players, uh, missing Aaron Hicks, Starlin Castro, Matt Holliday, Still a pretty good lineup, especially about one through six. Really good lineup. Uh, and he, he only went five innings, but six Ks, uh, seven hits and two walks, uh, three runs. Not his best start, clearly, but, you know, look, uh, the best starts, uh, the best pitchers, uh, you know, they, they have starts like this. Even Clayton Kershaw, I think, once in a while will have a start like that. Max Scherzer's last start gave up four runs. So it happens. And the Yankees, even missing a few players, are a pretty formidable, uh, formidable opponent, especially for a right-handed pitcher. So, yeah, I think it is safe to start Jimmy Nelson every week now. So there. A uh, couple of pitchers maybe to put back on your radar or put on your radar in the first place. Homer Bailey and Patrick Corbin both had very, very nice starts on Sunday. Uh, Bailey, he's had now two good starts in a row and pretty high degree of difficulty on both of them. The previous one was at Coors Field. Didn't exactly, you know, match Kyle Freeland, but you know, went went six innings, gave up a run. 
this one on Sunday at Arizona. So a, a tough park against a team that hits righties really well. He lasted six and two-thirds innings, giving up one run on seven hits, four walks. That's something to watch there with five strikeouts. So Homer Bailey, if he's out there in your deeper mixed leagues, I uh, think this is the time to get in because we, we've seen what a, a healthy Homer Bailey could do. We just have not seen it in an extremely long time. And Patrick Corbin, uh, it's been a real roller roller coaster ride for uh, his owners this year and really even going back to last year where he was pretty ineffective in the rotation but was really good in the in the, in the relief role and uh, was sort of a, a, a trendy uh, – uh, sleeper pick because of that going into this year. He's on a nice run now, uh, including Sunday start against the Reds, six innings, two runs on seven hits, and two walks with nine Ks. But over his last five starts, Corbin's got a 3.07 ERA with a 14% whiff rate and a 56% ground ball rate. That was what looked so cool about Patrick Corbin going into this year was as a reliever, he had that great combination of lots of ground balls, lots of swings and misses, He's uh, doing it again now in the rotation. So I'm finding that pretty pretty exciting about Patrick Corbin. Uh, last pitcher I want to talk about to end the show on a bit of a downer note is Johnny Cueto. Uh, another poor start for him. And his velocity has been right around 90 miles an hour in each of his last two starts. Um, I, I, th- I think he got a stash him because of the potential there, but he's not throwing strikes. He's not fooling batters. Um you just can't trust Johnny Cueto right now in, in, in you know, almost any mixed league. Um, but, you know, I, I hold out some hope for a better second half for Cueto. Maybe the rest will do him good. Anyway, on that note, enjoy tonight's uh, Home Run Derby and uh, enjoy the All-Star Game. But I'll hopefully talk to you before then because I'll be back on same time tomorrow. So uh, hope uh, you can join me then. Thanks for tuning in today. Rotation coming up next. Have a good one.